Welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Dr. Vasilios Sekiles, a member of the EAU guidelines panel for male lower urinary tract symptoms, discussing the new section in the guidelines relating to male urinary incontinence. An important addendum to the 2022 male LUTs guidelines is the new incontinence section. Can you explain the reason why you have decided to include this section in male LUTs? We are very proud to present the new incontinence section of our guideline that focuses on male incontinence. This chapter comes after the very well-received nocturia section that it was added last year. Male incontinence is common and often debilitating condition that seriously affects the quality of life of patients, and it is associated with significant cost for both patient and the healthcare system. As with female incontinence, men suffer from stress, urge, or mixed type of incontinence. However, the prevalence differs, with stress incontinence to represent in 10% of men complaining of urine leak and urge incontinence to be more common. An additional difference between sexes is the etiology. In men, the vast majority of stress urinary incontinence is iatrogenic, typically after radical prostatectomy, and also rarely after simple prostatectomy for BPH. From the other hand, urge urinary incontinence can be the result of bladder response to intravesical obstruction, aging, bladder dysfunction, or a combination. This very important topic requires specialized approach and specialized treatment that ranges from simple conservative measures to more interventional, such as insertion of an artificial urinary sphincter or major surgery. We decided to include male incontinence chapter under the umbrella of non-neurogenic male lower urinary tract, including BPO guideline, for various reasons. The most important was the lack of male-only information, since the evidence presented in the previous incontinence section came from either free male-only data or from female predominant studies. An additional limitation was the lack of reporting on male urge incontinence. On the other hand, since the last update of the previous version of incontinence guideline, which took place in 2017, robust data from systematic reviews and randomized trials regarding pharmacotherapy and surgical therapy is now available, and of course, it has to be included. Before I explain the update process of the new incontinence chapter, I would like to give you the background of this section. Male incontinence was previously addressed with theme, the urinary incontinence guideline that was first published in 2001 and updated for the last time in 2017. In addition, the sixth international consultation of incontinence, based on the work of 23 committees and more than 200 experts, included a specific section on male urinary incontinence, was also published and updated in 2017. In 2020, the incontinence panel was discontinued, and it was succeeded by the very successful female non-neurogenic LATS guideline panel. Thus, the male incontinence section was left an orphan, and it was an excellent opportunity for, for our guideline to expand and include this very important topic. The update process, as well as the implementation of the new incontinence section into our guideline, required several steps. First of all, the screening for new data and new studies, and the second was the restructuring of the old version. Regarding the study screening, we performed a systematic literature search from 2017, the year of the previous update, till June 2021. We have looked for robust data coming from systematic reviews and randomized trial 
but also we've looked into other types of studies such as non-comparative randomized trials, prospective trials, retrospective and case or cohort series. We have, we have identified 1,051 records and 380 studies were screened by full texts. We have included finally 98 studies in the update of this section. The majority of the articles were reporting on surgical management, 26 on conservative management and 13 trials on diagnostics and pathophysiology of male incontinence. We completed the data tabulation and prepared the first draft by the end of August 2021 and in October our panel ha- had the first in-depth review of this section by every panel member. As for structuring, we faced many challenges. The most difficult one was was to identify and remove the data as well as the recommendations coming from female-only or female-predominant studies. We tried to keep all data coming from mixed population studies where male data and outcomes of male populations were separately reported. In addition, we have added a new section on male urgent continents, including Uh, apart from recommendations on medical management, recommendations on interventional or surgical management or second and third line of treatment, such as botulinum toxin injections, sacral neuromodulation and reconstruction techniques. The update process, as it was described and performed so far, led to modification of your recommendations, such as the change in the use of bulking agents in male continents. In the new guideline, we recommend do not offer bulking agents in pro- post-prostatectomy incontinence as a weak recommendation. Instead of the previous one, offer bulking agents to mild post-prostatectomy incontinence. In your opinion, what is the most important study that has been included in this section? One of the most important studies that we have included so far in the incontinence section of our new guideline was undoubtedly the MASTER trial. MASTER trial is a non-inferiority randomized control trial on the surgical management of post-prostatectomy incontinence. Men were randomized to either male sling or artificial urinary sphincter arm if they had fulfilled the inclusion criterion, which was the urine leakage or the presence of urine leakage at 12 months after surgery. The patients had to have also your dynamically proven stress incontinence. The outcome of this study led the panel to reconsider the recommendation for the use of artificial urinary sphincter in men with moderate to severe postprostatectomy incontinence from weak 4 to strong 4 recommendation. The authors of master trial considered a primary outcome as a very strict definition of incontinence, which was any self-reported urine leak at 12 months after randomization. However, a less strict definition was also used, which was do you leak less than once a week? In the results regarding the primary outcome, there was no difference between intervention arms using both definitions, thus confirming non-inferiority of male slings as opposed to artificial urinary sphincter. In respect to secondary outcomes, artificial urinary sphincter was superior to sling in men with moderate to severe incontinence. The researchers have also looked into data of men who had adjuvant radiotherapy. They reported that men who have had artificial urinary sphincter experienced fewer adverse events as compared to male slings, and these patients managed to achieve better continence rates. 
Are there any updates or changes in the pharmacological management of male LUTs? The updated version of male non-neurogenic LUTs guideline recommends a new combination treatment for the management of persisting OAB symptoms in men with BPH. I'm referring to the new combination of an alpha blocker plus the beta-3 agonist mirabegran. We have now strong evidence coming from two randomized controlled trials about the efficacy and the safety of this new combination therapy. The first randomized controlled trial is, of course, MATS study, which is a mirabegran add-on therapy to tamsulosin 0.2 mg in men with persisting OAB symptomatology despite tamsulosin monotherapy. The second trial is the PLUS Phase 4 study, which is a combination of mirabegron plus tamsulosin 0.4 mg versus mirabegron plus placebo. Both studies reported that the combination therapy reduces the urination frequency, urgency, and urgent continence episodes, as well as improves the score of relevant questionnaires, such as the overactive bladder questionnaire and the storage subscale of the IPSS. In terms of safety, cardiovascular adverse events were similar to mirabegron monotherapy reported from previous trials. Among the most frequently reported adverse events were hypertension, headache, and nasopharyngitis. No significant changes in post-void residual or maximum flow rates was noted. The incident of acute urinary retention episodes was 1.7%. The evidence from these two trials led the panel to develop a new recommendation, which is use the alpha-1 blocker plus mirabegron combination therapy in patients with persisting OAB or storage LUTs after alpha blocker monotherapy. This recommendation was rated as week 4 recommendation. In addition, there is an update in the phytotherapy or plant extract section. The Committee on Herbal Medicinal Product of EMA of European Medicines Agency recommends the use only of hexane-extracted serenoarepens for well-established use. Evidence from systematic reviews shows that hexane-extracted serenoarepens has better safety profile as compared to non-hexane-extracted, as well as a limited impact on sexual function. Hence, the panel recommends strongly for informing that the magnitude of efficacy of hexane-extracted serenoarepens may be modest, and also recommends a week for often hexane-extracted serenoarepens to men with lower urinary tract symptoms who want to avoid any potential adverse events, especially related to sexual function. Are there any novelties in the diagnostic evaluation of male patients with lower urinary tract symptoms? In the diagnostic section of the new guideline, we have added a new paragraph regarding the novel assessment and the new diagnostic tools for BPH. The first is the Visual Prostate Symptom Score, or VPSS, that is a pictogram or a graphic representation of four IPSS questions. These questions are the frequency, the nocturia, the urgency, and the flow question. The VPSS is designed for a quick screening for LUTs, which is found also to be helpful in illiterate men or to the foreign individuals. An additional novelty presented is the microRNA and its potential role as a biomarker for BPH. 
a recent systematic review reported that MIR-221 can be used both as a biomarker and novel target for the early diagnosis and therapy for the B9 prostate hyperplasia. Thank you for joining Dr. Vasilios Sakiles for this episode of EAU Podcast on male urinary incontinence. For further information on the EAU guidelines on male lower urinary tract symptoms, please visit our website, www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates. (laughs) 